say. It's not usually that easy. Uh, turn my phone off. Huh? I'm going to get a whip in the chair. <laughs> and a ooga horn. Ooga. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, good to see everybody here. I've got some people in the back. It looks, uh, that looks good. Uh, I guess vacation time's winding down, I guess. Good. So, got getting a, kind of a full compliment here. You can't see it online, but there's, what, probably 50 people in here this morning. So, it's a good thing. Good to have everybody here. If you watch us online, we're grateful that you chose to be with us this morning. Uh, we pray that uh, that everything's going well with you. I know there's some people that, that are shut in that can't be here. And they watch us online on Sunday morning. So, uh, it's a good thing. So, anyway... Uh, if you just start, if you just found us, this is uh, Central Church of Christ. My name is Dan Spaeth. I'm one of the elders here, and this is our Sunday morning class, and we're studying. We're right at the end of First Timothy, where we're at. So if you want to get turning over there, a uh, couple of things. Uh, Alan Stevens is in the emergency room as we speak. Uh, uh, kind of the same things that were going on before, but you know he's been taking chemo pills and and. And, uh, and it's uh, it's kind of knocked him down, and so uh, we pray for his speedy recovery, so that everything goes well with him. So, uh, and if you if you notice, uh, uh, just just notice the, the 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 worship program. There's some things in there. Uh, there's a little girl named Sophia. That uh, that little girl is a it's a, a friend is a daughter of a friend of mine, and uh, she had uh, had double hip. They had to fix both her hips. She's ten years old. Uh, one of the one of her hips was coming out of the socket, and they said it's uh, it's not normal, but it does happen. And they said when they go in, they're gonna look at the other side and look at the other side. And they said we need to fix that too, so they had to fix them both. So she's uh, she's got a lot of hardware in her hips, and and now she's got about a 12 month recovery time. So uh, so anyway, it's uh, you know I talked to him yesterday, and he said she was doing well. She was sitting at the table and doing some stuff, but uh, she's got to be off of her off her feet for a while. She won't be. So she's gonna be in a wheelchair for a while. So, uh, and this is a this is a really active little girl. So anyway, uh, she is, her her brother her little brother is gonna be one of Delissa's students uh, where they're going to school. So anyway, uh, just uh, if you if you read that just that's who it is. It's Mike and Wendy Haynes, and it's their daughter Sophia. So anyway, and then pray for Alan as well that uh, that he has recovered. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I was just. Roberta is in uh, is in ICU, right? Yeah, but they're, they're, uh, Dan was telling us something about they haven't given that they talked to him this morning. Uh, she's gonna have to have some kind of some kind of procedure done, but it's not, you know, I don't know. I I really what because we had two or three things going on at one time this morning, so you know it uh, it was hard to kind of keep focused on what was really happening. So just remember her. Uh, she's uh, she's not been doing well physically for a long time, and. Uh, and it just seems like it's uh, it's kind of creeping up on her and getting worse. So, anyway. All right, guys, we're going to pray and we're going to get started, okay? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Uh, we pray your blessings upon us as we study this letter that was written by Paul to Timothy. Father, we thank you so much for it, that, that we have the, the this letter preserved for us that we can learn from. We understand, Father, this letter wasn't written to us, but it was written in a way that, that we can learn a great deal from it. And we can see what the principles are that Paul was telling Timothy and what the what the, the precepts and principles were that we can add to our own lives. And we can look at and say, we need to we need to be like this as well. 
So, Father, I pray your blessings upon us as we study it and as we get into the second letter. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would uh, help us to learn and grow and become the people that we're supposed to be. Father, we pray for Alan this morning and we pray for Roberta, uh, two of our family here that are that are struggling with their health. And we pray for your blessings upon both of them. Pray for their families and we pray for those that will be working on them and, 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 and helping them health-wise. Father, we pray you put your hands on both of them. As they, as they strive to recover. Again, thank you, Father, for bringing us here. Thank you for the opportunity we have to study and the opportunity we're going to have to worship this morning together. Uh, it is truly a privilege and it's an honor to be together and to be able to do what we're going to do this morning. Thank you so much, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're visiting with us in the here and, and, I, and it sounds like I'm repeating everything over and over, well, it's because, because you know, the microphones are right here and they can't hear you way over there. So... If I start repeating it, I'll have to repeat it so they can understand because I've talked to people that watch it online and said it's very, it's kind of dead spots when somebody's talking and they don't know what they're saying because they can't hear it. So that's why I'm going to be doing it. We're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hopefully, we're going to finish today. But I don't know how this is going to go. I never know how it's going to go. You know, if I think there's something we need to talk about, we're going to talk about it. If we don't finish it, we don't finish it. We'll just, we're going to go from there. But, um, uh, like I said in my prayer, this is a letter to Timothy. It wasn't written to you. It wasn't written to me. It was written to Timothy. But there are things that we can learn from it. We're, there are things that, that override time that we, can, that we can look at. And I think what he's going to tell us today is the same thing like that. So, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to look. We're going to start in verse 17. We're going to try to finish the chapter out. But those of you who know who I, how I teach, now nah, that's not a given. We may not get there until. We'll just see how it goes. I've got some questions here I want to ask you, and so I'm going to include you. You're going to be you're going to be uh, firing back at me, I hope, and, but we'll see. Uh, I want to read this text, all right, and then we're going to look at some specific things in this text that I think that we need to look at, all right? Come on in, guys. Verse 17 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but they put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to do generous, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from their faith. Grace and peace with you all. Okay, we've talked about the money problem before. We've talked about this before in the, in the preceding chapters, and a, and it said the the basic tenet was the, the the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not the problem here, guys. Okay, it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And here he's talking to Timothy. You won't go and tell those that are rich among you. Okay, not everybody. Just go talk to the guys that have money, and tell them this is what you need to do. Well, I, like I've said before, in our culture, you get you get people from another culture, from another civilization, from a, from another continent, and they look at us, and we're all rich, according to them. We're all of us are rich. I think it's all in your perspective. How do I how do I focus my perspective on what I have? And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Uh, but he says, you know, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. You know, I want to ask, in our culture even today, wealth is a, is a, it's an unknown commodity. Would you say that's true? 
You may have a job that makes X amount of dollars. And you budget your money, hopefully, based on X amount of dollars. And next week, somebody could walk in and say, sorry, thanks, you're a really good employee, we don't need you anymore. And what happened to your budget? See? So it's not certain. None of it's certain. You know, so when you when you when you focus all this all this energy, and of course when you have little kids, it's really tough. Because now, you know, and that's why I tell people all the time, man, find a profession where you've pretty much got, you know, well, I know when Mark went in the Navy and he was studying electronics, and I'm thinking, what? I didn't even know he was interested in electronics. But it but it but it was a you know, a guy that goes in the army and studies tank driving, not a big future for tank drivers, would you say? My my uncle went to into the army back when I was a, a youngster, and he studied how to fix the tanks. He worked at Hofer Truck Line as his, their lead mechanic working on diesels for 35, 40 years. So it served him well. So I tell people all the time, you're going to find a profession, find one that's going you know, like a teacher. I mean, somebody's going to always want you to be a teacher somewhere. You go somewhere. These guys have wealth. And he tells them, he said, don't grab onto the wealth part of it. And he said, don't base your hope on it. He said, but put your hope in God. And I, I want to talk about that some. You know, what have you found yourself putting your hope in other than God? What have you found for yourself Putting your hope in other than God. Other people. Explain, Linda, other people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Linda said, you know, People, sometimes we put our hope in, and they're going to let you down. Even good people are going to let you down. Everybody makes mistakes. I mean, that's just the nature of, of who we are. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to, and, and how we learn how to, how to really have a dynamic in, in relationship is to understand that and give people the benefit of making those mistakes because you're going to make them too. So what, what do you find that you put your hope in other than God? We're all things. Oh, hey, pin it down a little bit. I want something specific. World things is right, but but what's something specific that we that you found yourself putting your hope in other than God, and it took away from the from from the experience of having your hope in God. Your job, your job. Who said your jobs? Your job. A bunch of people said your job. Okay. Has, has that been a? Has that? Let me let me. Most time when people say something, it's because that's what they've experienced. That's why I worded the question. What have you put your hope in? You know, how did that, did that ever, Larry, let you down at some point? It did, didn't it? You know, I mean, you worked, you worked ship work, you worked plant work for years and years and years and years. That, that's not, that's not always stable, is it? Can be very unstable. You know, there's a, there's a plant, I don't know, I think in Louisiana, that's burning right now. Dow Chemical Plant, it's on fire. You know, you know, in one moment, it wasn't on fire, the next moment it was. That's pretty, that's, you know, people are going to lose their job. Maybe somebody lost their life. I don't know. Formosa. That guy at Formosa, scaffold builder. I just heard about that this morning. Yeah, scaffold builder. In one moment, yeah, life is over. Yeah, Kale. My equipment. Your equipment? Sometimes uh, one of the things is 
photographers do is something called spray and pray. <laughs> that doesn't even sound good. Okay. <laughs> you, you take a bunch of photos and just hope one of them turns out all right. Okay. You know, and, and there's times where it's like, did I press the button? Am I recording? Oh, oh God, did I press the button? Especially during a wedding. During a wedding, especially. You know, somebody give me something else. Somebody, family. Family, okay. Our own understanding. Do what? Our own understanding. All right. Distributors, like, we order parts and you think you're getting the right part. Okay. And then you go to a job site and it's 104 degrees out and then you're putting stuff together. And then I drove all the way from Victoria to Post, from Post to Batesville, and I had to drive back to Victoria and then back out to Post, and then the stuff was wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, we, you know, you, you can put your hope in your talent and your ability. Guys do this a lot. We get so full of ourselves that we think we're all that. You know, it's just the nature of the beast. Who we are, ladies. I mean, it's just you have, you just learn to live with it because that's who we are. <laughs> and we put our hope in that. We put our trust in that. And guess what happens? Some point, it's going to let you down. At some point, you know. Something else, some some external force, something's going to come in, and it's going to disrupt that. That's just the way it happens. You know, this stuff is fleeting. What he's talking about to these people, it's fleeting. What you have is fleeting. You may have it today and not have it tomorrow. You know, in our environment today, in our culture today, in, in the climate that we're in today, you know, you may have a whole lot of money today and not have it tomorrow. I mean, that's just the nature. That's the fact. Okay? You know, you may have a job where you're going and everything's well, and then you don't have one tomorrow. Yes, ma'am. I think younger and as you get older, they can get smarter. She said. She said we put as we get older, we we put too much faith in our government. Well, we've learned not to. Maybe. Yeah, we've learned not to now. But when you hope in, you know, and when a government, uh, it, when a government is bent on creating that that atmosphere, creating an entitlement atmosphere. It's really easy for people to put their hope in something because that's what the, the beast has done. It has made you feel that way. And so it's natural for people to put their hope, you know, that, well, I'm always going to get this, and I'm always going to get this, and I'm always going to get this, you know, because, of the, because it's the nature of the beast. And it's what we put our hope in. God says that stuff doesn't matter. That stuff's fleeting. He said, put your hope in God. Put your hope in the living God. You know, so uh, why is it tempting for people to trust in wealth rather than God? Why is it tempting? Why would you say it's tempting? Why was it tempting for you? Yeah. It's tangible. It's tangible? It's so I can hold my hand. Hold, it's, I, it's right there. I can see it. I can see it. I put, you know, I've got this much money. Here it is. Doesn't matter. It's going to be all gone tomorrow. I got it right now. It's tangible. My car. Put my hope that you do, do you do you understand that when you turn the key on your car, there's going to come one day when nothing happens. Y'all do know that, right? Or do you think every time you turn the key, the little gremlin in there runs and pushes a little button and it's always going to start? Is that what y'all think? I worked on these rascals for 50 years. You know what I know? When you least expect it, they will let you down. Yeah, I have, I have, I have gone to gas station before where somebody turned off the car, put gas in the car, turned the car and would start. Fuel pump. Gone. Done. Yes, sir. On our trip to Colleen, I saw probably more trucks on the side of the road with people looking underneath the hood <laughs> than I've ever seen before. 
Yeah. And I don't even know what they're doing. Because <laughs> I know they're not fixing it. <laughs> yeah. But the, the point is, is that is that what we put our trust in, what we put our faith in, there's all kinds of reasons why we do that. Some of us, we were taught to do that. Our, our families taught us to do that. We, we are just perpetuating behavior that we've seen before. You know, we have to change the dynamic of the behavior. We have to change what we teach our children. Let our children know that this is not about the job. It's not about the money. It's not about this. This is about God. You know, we tried early on to make sure that our kids knew that, that Sunday was reserved. It was reserved. And it was going to be always the same way because we were going to reserve it because we didn't do that before. We didn't, we didn't, you know, it was kind of, you kind of decided whether we were going to go today or not, not go, whatever. But we decided, you know, we're going to make sure that our children know that this, this is the day that we're going to set aside, this day. And then, of course, it got Sunday evening, they got Wednesday night, and then pretty much now it, it, it started to become a lifestyle. But but they had to know that. We had to teach them. We had to train them. So what, what, will, what will it look like when you start putting your hope in God? What does that look like? Tell me what you think that looks like. Should worry less. Should worry less? A loss of a job is not going to mess you up. These two kind of go together. Loss of a job won't really kind of mess you. And and Jeannie's saying we got to worry less. Okay. You find you find that working for you or not working? How, what, how, tell me. Yes, ma'am. It's just you have more peace. More peace. More peace. Less worry. Is that that's what it's going to look like? Right. Yes, sir. Worrying more? Right, because it's For y'all that are Robert and Catherine were just baptized not long ago. So they're babies here doing You hear that man thing again? <laughs> See, all us guys are the ones. Yep. <laughs> Heard it. But, but, yeah, that's the way we are. Aren't Robert? We, you know, we're, we're in control. You know, we, and then we find out, wait a minute, I'm not in control anymore. This is not, it's not up to me. And then when it starts to fall into place, how does that feel when you start to realize, hey, it's really falling into place? It's nice, but it's, it's also uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. You know why it's uncomfortable for him? Because he's not in control. <laughs> that's why it's uncomfortable. It's, it's, and as he gets older and he gets more mature, you know, he's going to find out, man, I can't wait for God to fix this. Because I know he can fix it. I can't. I can't wait for him to do that. Especially when his kids get older. His kids get older, and you're gonna start. Then you're gonna look. You're gonna be like a deer caught in headlights, man. You know. And you just. And you, the only thing you know to do is pray because you don't. You, you know you don't have any answers. And I think that's what it looks like for people that have hope in God. I have realized that I can't fix this. Money can't fix it. Stuff can't fix it. My body can't fix it. Only God can fix this stuff. And so usually when we find ourselves in a crisis, where do we go? Where do we go when we find ourselves in a crisis? When we put our hope in all that stuff, and you see people in the world, all right, and they and they put their hope in all this other stuff because the people in the world are, I mean, they're they're consumed with it, aren't they? How many how many people you know, friends that you know, are consumed with the stuff they have, the things they can get later, and the things they're going to have in the future, all right? How many are consumed? Most all of them. And then and then what you see what happens when it starts to fall apart, when it starts to unravel. And it will unravel at some point. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, even now, the times are really hard. I'm almost moving this to the back. Almost. Yeah. 
Okay. And I still go to God, but at the same time, I know He'll fix it in His way. Look at you look at the what it says right after. Look at what he said. He said, "Hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment." That means I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna give. That means if you only have five dollars in your pocket and you expected to have fifty, it's a good day. It's a good day. When our perspective is God's perspective, it says in Romans chapter twelve, verse two. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Is God does God have a will in this in, in within the kingdom of God, within the church, within the framework? Does he have a will? Does he have a plan that, that we have to get on board with? Does he have a plan? Yes. And and is everything in accordance with the with the with the fulfillment of that plan? And when I get involved in that plan. And I understand what my role is in that plan. Man, it's a it's a it's a it's a wonderful place to be. It's a neat place to be. When I'm not in in, in involved in that plan, <coughs> yes or what? It can be very very difficult to live life. So I'm looking at the, I'm, I'm I'm getting this plan and it, everything. Tell me what it what it, I got. How have the things God has given you uh, brought you enjoyment? Tell me the things that God's given you that's brought you enjoyment. Here. Your family here, okay. Family here, okay. Yes, Vincent. I hold them loosely. Do what? I hold them loosely. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Tell me. What has God given you that that has brought you a great deal of enjoyment? My apartment. Your apartment. And we're not going to go anymore with that. But you understand. There, there's sometimes, there's things in people's lives that you take for granted that's not so much taken for granted in some people's lives. And some people sitting in this room are going to be over there this morning. You may look at it and say, I don't understand. I don't understand what the response was. I don't understand what that response meant. I do. I understand. And I understand that God has been involved in her life in spite of her. God's been involved in my life in spite of me. And he's been involved to the point where she has a blessing in her life that she gives her a great deal of comfort and enjoyment, and she is she honors she knows where it came from. Okay, somebody else. What has God given you? Yes, ma'am, Sarah. The beauty of the earth. The beauty of the earth. Okay. Yeah, Aaron. This uh, good, strong willpower. If I can let go of things that aren't good for you. Okay. Like a lot of, I'm a lot better now than I've ever been in the past, and it's all just due to like. Is it because of your relationship with God? Because of that yeah, growing? Even, that, even, that... Without, even without ever having it in the beginning, like, you know, being separated from things, he gave me the willpower to quit things that okay. weren't making life any okay. better. All right. See, for every one of you, this verse is going to mean something a little bit different. You're going to look at what the enjoyment is. You know, my, my, my having, having this woman in my life, because I know that the things that happened to get us together, and I know what happened to keep us together. And I know that when we came to God, I know that, that there was that that was a real critical time in our lives. And it really, I know where that blessing came from. And it's given me a great deal of enjoyment. And you, I, I can, because I have a wife that, I, 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 if you're going to be a shepherd in the Lord's church, 95% of what you do is based on your wife. 
Just is. Because if you don't have a wife that allows you to do what you do, you can't do what you do. You have to have a wife that's willing. And I, that is a blessing that gives me a great deal of enjoyment because I get to go do the things God's given me the talent to do and the opportunity to do because of her. Because she is willing to let me. She is not threatened by some, some people's thought of infidelity, not on a, on a sexual way, but just on a physical way. Where never, there's been times in this in where I'm never at home. I'm gone all the time. Seem like every evening I'm gone, doing something, and 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 she and that gives me a great deal of enjoyment because I get to fulfill all the rest of the stuff that I know that that I need to do. So you know, I mean, this can you see how intricate this can get? You know, one thing leads to it, and that's what God knows. God says in in Luke chapter twelve, quit worrying about this stuff. What you're quit worrying about this, what you're gonna wear, what you're gonna eat. Don't worry about this. Stuff. God knows you need it. Don't worry about it. Okay. He said, if you can't do little things, why are you worry about this other stuff? And he said, adding an hour to your life. And I told y'all, that's not a little thing. That's a big deal. But God's, God's focus is so much different. I have to align my life, my focus up with his. Somebody had their hand up. Yes, ma'am. Judy? I can remember Betty saying one time that, uh, because like you were saying that you're not home, mm -hmm. that you, you're doing things, Betty said one time, Roy could do anything but come home. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because and, he was busy. And one of the things that Roy had going for him anything. with his wife, he never told her anything about what was going on up here. He kept her in the dark because a lot of it, a lot of it was was really stuff that was really tough to listen to. You know, when you deal with people's lives and you deal with the chaos of their lives, it's it's, it's hard to deal with. You know, and the last thing he wanted was to it was to it corrupt his wife with that stuff. And so, and he had a wife that he could do that with. He could go do what he needed to do and not have to come home and not have to regurgitate this stuff and then have her go uncorked un because of it. That was a, that was a great enjoyment for him. He and I talked about that, you know, about his, his ability to do that with her and having that kind of wife in his life. So, you know, you see, there's all kinds of stuff that give us enjoyment. Hey, my, my job gave me enjoyment. Gary and I talked about this a while. I was self-employed. I had my own shop. I've worked on cars, worked on cars sometimes till late in the night. But if somebody called me on the phone, I could drop everything and go and talk to him. And he said it made an impact on him. You know, I didn't even know that. But, you know, you know, I, you know I, I, would, I would just pick up the phone and sometimes I'd be on the phone for an hour talking to someone. I had the freedom to do that. And it gave me great enjoyment because... And I never knew that was going to happen. I had no idea because when I got my shop, I wasn't a Christian. I was just trying to make a buck. And I was making a lot of bucks. I was making a lot of dollars. I was good at what I did. And I, and I made a lot of money. But, you know, I mean, it wasn't about the money. I found that out really quick. So ask yourself, what is it that I'm really focused on? And what <coughs> gives me enjoyment? And is it really something that God's trying to give me? Or is it unraveling me and turning me and taking me someplace I don't need to go? All right? You know, I can... You know, what, has there been things in your life that has taken you where you didn't want to go? Oh, that's from God, absolutely. God is never going to give you something that's going to unravel your life and make you into something you shouldn't be. Never going to do that, ever. So what is it going to look like to have hope in God? It's going to have, I'm going to have peace in my life. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a confidence in my life that, that other people don't have. You, go ahead. And that is a comfort and a peace. 
how, how many of you got got kids that are under that are un, well kids at home? How many of you got kids at home? Raise your hand. But a bunch of bunch of people raise their hand. Okay. Are your kids happy? For the most part, are your kids happy? Yeah. 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 Why are they happy? Because what you do, what you do as parents is is designed to help grow them and nurture them, give them a a stable stability in their home. That's what you're doing. And it makes them happy. And they run it. When they get through here today, they're going to go run and play, and they're going to go do the things that little kids do, right? Because of y'all. God's doing the same thing, guys. So the same thing. We're like a bunch of little kids on a playground. And he's giving us stuff to do that we just, man, you know, I'm get to go play on the monkey bars. All right. You may be the monkey bars, but I get to go play on the playground of this life, and God's given me those opportunities to go do that. That's what God's giving us. And we should focus this about in, on enjoyment. Does this seem odd to the world? <laughs> yeah, you bet. I want to take you to text. I want to take you to 1 Peter Chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Listen what he said. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Listen to this. Always be prepared. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. What is he telling us? Always be prepared. He said, set apart Christ as Lord in your life. Not money, not cars, not job, not family, not not whatever, not talent, not bow hunting. I didn't even get to that. My passion for a long time was bow hunting. You know, I want to go put an arrow in something. I want to stick something. You know, and I did it a lot. And, you know, but none of that. He said, don't say put your heart on that stuff. Put your heart in this. What I didn't realize the very first time I ever went bow hunting, I got to go with Ben Kale and John Young and Dwayne Wheeler, who were all three members of the church. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I knew what I was doing bow hunting. I didn't have a clue what this was about. And this was God. And on, on a Sunday morning, we knew we were going to be gone. And so we went Saturday to the little place in Quero, and got our stuff, and we made our bread, got our juice, and we had a worship service. And I'm going, what are we doing? I have a clue. I do know now. I know now what it's about. And that gives me a great deal of comfort and enjoyment, <laughs> getting to go with you to seven all that time. So, you know, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I get chills just thinking about it because it wasn't about the bow hunt. Now it was about the fellowship and the camaraderie. And God gave me. God gets us that. We have to stay focused. And so when we look at this and we say, set apart Christ as Lord in your life, he said, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. People aren't going to ask you to give them anything if they don't see it from you first. I'll tell you again. If they don't see you have any hope, if you go to work and you're constantly whining and griping about life and everything else that they're griping about, they're not going to ask you anything about what you got because they already got that. They're going to ask you when you give them something they don't have. And they look at you and say, I don't know what you have, but I want what you have. If they're, if if you go to work and you participate in all the nonsense that the, your co-workers do, they're going to see any difference in you. Why are they going to ask? 
They already got what you got. They already got what you're doing. So having hope in God means I'm going to be different. I'm going to talk different, walk different, act different, think different than they do. And it's going to come across. People are going to ask. You may not always have the right answer, but you're going to have an opportunity to say, this is why I do what I do. I used to do what you do. And I don't do it anymore because this is what happened when I did what you did. And you do it with gentleness and respect. But if you have this hope in you, people are going to ask you. Because it's going to make you different. It's going to make you different than, than any of them are. Now, let's go back. Go back to First, first Timothy. He says, command them, verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to do, be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. God's saying, the life that people have today is not real life. You understand? It's not real life. True life, true life is looking at what you have, looking at your prospects of what you have, and saying, what can I do with this stuff? How can I make people better? We have a really good group of folks here that are that are really willing to share what they have. You know, there are people I can go to and say, I need this or I need that, and, and they have no problem doing that. You know, I, I we have a, it really, really is remarkable here of what people will do. You understand that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You cannot serve your job and money and God. You cannot serve your stuff, your talent, your ability, whatever it is, and God. You can't serve them both. You have to intertwine them together. And he said, for the wealthy, this is what you do. Find a way to do good. Always do good. Do good with what you have. He said, be willing to share. In this way, you lay up treasure for yourself in the life to come, which is a real life. The life. Now, guys, this is not real life. Real life is what's coming. What God has blessed us with, with the Holy Spirit. You know, go to Ephesians chapter 1, and he said, I'm giving you a down payment. What was it in, 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 in uh, Acts chapter 2? He said, you were baptized in Christ, repent of your sins, be baptized in Christ, and I'll give you what? The gift of the Holy Spirit. What was the gift of the Holy Spirit for? To give you a taste of what's coming. He said, it's a down payment. It's a, it's a it's an earnest of your salvation, what he says in the King James. An earnest. It means like an earnest money contract. I have the Holy Spirit living with me, and it gives me a taste of what's coming. If it's going to be better than, than what, what I've got, it's going to be incredible. And I tell people that. I said, I've got a great life. And I tell, I tell one guy, I said, if God's not real, none of this is all a figment of somebody's imagination, I wouldn't change a bit. It's been good. It's been a whole lot better than what it was before. A whole lot better. So I'm not going to change anything. I know it's not. I know it is real, though. I know God exists. I know this is real. I know this is really his word. And I know this creation was created by him. And I know one day he's going to come back and destroy it. I know that. And I know that he's going to take me home to be with him. Because he promised me he would. And that's what gives me hope. That's what gives me hope. Because I know that no matter what happens in my life, my wife's laying in a hospital bed, Alan's laying in a hospital bed, Roberta, whatever. You know what I know? I remember, I remember standing at the casket of the first Betty Fudge. Y'all remember her? Y'all remember her? And I stand there and I said, I envy you because now you have what I don't have. I said the same thing at Cliff's casket. I said, I said, little guy, man, he was 13. And I stand there and I said, you remember I told you that you're never going to be as smart as me? Guess what? You're smarter than me now. That's what's coming. That's what we have to look forward to. We have this coming, the coming to be with. 
man, I can't wait. And I want to tell everybody. I want to tell everybody. You know, and so he said, he said, I want, I'm going to take hold of this life. What, what bits he's given me of it with the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me, I want to take hold of it because I don't want to miss a, miss a beat. As long as I'm here, I don't want to miss a beat. And I don't want you to miss it either because there's so much, so much wonderment of this that you can have. To sit in a room with, with Marcus and Journey Friday night and, and maybe tonight, you may be here tonight too, and, and have them, and, and to see how hungry they are and know the problems that they're struggling with and to know, hey, you know, I'm coming I don't understand why I'm coming, but I'm coming anyway. That's a that's that's amazing to know that my son is gonna is you know he got a respite for this morning, but this afternoon at four o'clock, you know where he's gonna be? Standing behind a pulpit in Fortran Church, teaching preaching at Fortran. And it's life's unbelievable good. It's unbelievable good. Amen. So you know, and and then he tells <clears throat> we got two minutes. We'll finish this. <laughs> Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. What has been entrusted to his care? The truth of the gospel, guys. What's been entrusted to our care? The truth of the gospel. The wonderment of God's salvation plan that started in Genesis and still going on today. That's the wonderment of, of the plan. He says, you guard this. He said, you stand firm on it. Turn away from, he said, turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. Their problem in that culture was Gnosticism. Okay, let me. I'll, I'll give. I'll, I wrote down a definition of it. All right. uh, it's a. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, there it is. It's a Greek word for knowledge. The Gnostics were the ones that were traveling around trying to undermine everything. Their idea of knowledge was that there's a secret, special knowledge, a spiritual knowledge you can get, and you and you can only get it by by intense knowledge, intense study, and that's the way you get this knowledge. And that the that angels weren't really real, and the higher up on the on this ladder that you got, the smarter you were, the more the closer to God you were. You got closer to God by stepping up on this ladder and getting more and more knowledge. You know, in their eyes, I would have been smarter than say someone than someone else because they weren't as smart as I was. That was the idea of Gnosticism. It was garbage. It was garbage. And and he said, you avoid that. That, that thing which is called knowledge. It's not really knowledge. It's that godless chatter, that it, that stuff they're talking about. And he said, and he said, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from, from the truth, from the faith. Can people fall and lose their salvation today? Sound like it's there. Doesn't it sound like it to you? There is a there is a there's a teaching out there today running rampant that once you're saved, you're always saved. They say it all the time. What did that say? Somebody here had departed from the faith. That means they were part of the faith and they left it. Right? You know what it sounds like? He said, you just stay away from this stuff, Timothy. Stay away from it. Don't get involved in it. And keep your people away from it as well. Okay? And he said, he said, you guard what you've been given. You've been given this guarded. Guard it with everything you have. We need to do the same thing, guys. We need to guard it. You know, Robert, you can learn this stuff. You're going to those classes with Cole and, and Mark and, and Chris, and you're to learn it. Man, you need to grab a hold of it and guard it and be able to entrust it to other people, be, be able to share it with your wife, with your children, you know, because as you learn, you're going to get smarter and smarter, and you're going to look around and say, oh, my gosh, man, I have a clue what I'm doing. That's what's going to happen, you know, but you're going to, you're going to find out how to, how to connect the dots through the text, and it's going to be an amazing place to be. And I can't wait to watch you get there. It's going to be amazing to watch you get there.
Because we're going to all be able to see the transformation that's going to that happen in both your families. Yours as well, Mark. We're going to watch the transformation. So we're going to start chapter. We're going to start the second letter next week. All right. We're going to start Second Timothy. Uh, I'm not going to say we'll get through it quicker because it's only three chapters. Because we won't. You're lucky we got through this part today. So we'll see you next week, guys. If you're watching, thanks for watching, guys. Thank you.